It's This Week in Bourbon. Not just double gold, but the platinum standard in bourbon news. And here's your headlines for April 15th, 2022. Ebony Major, former blender at Bullet, is now suing Diageo. Barton 1792 Distillery has suspended all tours. And Sweetens Cove is launching Tennessee Whiskey. And before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000273. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back, everybody. This week in Bourbon coming after, well, you're probably going on spring break. We just got done with a spring break. How was your spring break, Ryan? It was great. It was relaxing. Everyone went Florida or South? Well, I guess I went South, too. <laughs> I went to Texas. <laughs> we all went South. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It's like Louisville South. They're like, let's all go to the same spot and see everybody we see every day. <laughs> I mean, but, I man, did that in high school. That was typically what you did. Yeah, it's like, it's sunny, so let's go hang out there. Mm-hmm. But I, I tell but, you uh, what, we can't, we can't take too many more breaks like this because... Two weeks of news is a lot to catch up I know, on. I even, a lot of juicy topics you just read off there. Doing that, I had to, I actually had to remove stuff. Because, you know, I usually find stuff that's somewhat in the ecosystem. This is just concentrated pretty much all, not all, but most of it is just bourbon news. I left a lot of, you know, business kind of stuff out and some other kind of ecosystem sort of mumbo jumbo. But yeah, you take, you take a week off and man, two weeks, there's a lot of stuff that kind of starts piling up on you. The world keeps going on without us. It doesn't stop. It, <laughs> it sure doesn't. doesn't. It nope. sure doesn't. But I'm glad we're back from spring break. I'm still trying to get back in the working mood. It's tough. It's tough to get back to it, but it's slowly, you slowly get into it. Your tan looks good. I try. You know, I actually, 
you say my tan looks good. I was lobstered up on day two. <laughs> I always do that to myself because I've got, like my mom's 100% Italian and she's, she's dark. She's basically, I mean, she's full-blooded and I feel like, oh, that's cool. Like I've got some of her genes. It'll just pass on to me. I've got my dad's side, which he's mostly Irish and a mix of a mud of different sort of European things. And yeah, it just burns. It straight burns on day two, but it takes a few days later and it slowly turns into a tan. Mine just goes straight to peeling. It's <laughs> no tan. I've, I've, I've gotten better about lotioning the day after you get sunburnt. That way it doesn't start peeling away. Just get all the sticky aloe on. Yeah. It's not aloe parties, man. That's <laughs> what spring break's all about it's for like me. The new wave. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's start diving into it. And the first one we're going to talk about is the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. The results are in. And there wasn't really a news article that came out, but instead I was looking at it and I wanted to kind of tell people about what I discovered. And heck, who knows? We might talk about this on a future roundtable. But, you know, we look at just what happens with San Francisco World Spirits Competition, just spirits competitions in general. And there's two sides of this coin. You either love them or you think they're all just completely just BS. But either way, it gets people talking. And we all know that San Francisco is probably the most highly coveted award. It's made bottles such as the Barrel Bourbon Grey Label 15-year and Henry McKenna fly off the shelves. But we also submitted some of our own stuff. So I kind of want to talk about that too. It's our podcast. We like to talk about United. So let's let's kind of talk about that. We love ourselves. <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> no, it is our podcast. Let's talk about ourselves for a minute here. So I was ecstatic to see that Pursuit United Rye, batch one, the first time we ever did it, received a double gold. So, hey, hey, good job, Ryan. Uh, good job, Sagamore and BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I just, they gave me great distillate to blend with, blend with, but no, it's super cool to uh, have double gold. I, I totally right there with you. And so, if anybody that doesn't know, double gold is essentially the highest that you can get other than best in class for that, but it's the highest award possible. And now, the other side of this is that Pursuit United Bourbon, it received a silver, I was a bit shocked at first. I I was kind of thinking to myself that this second batch we did that we submitted, it had to be probably one of the most solid five-year bourbon blends that I'd ever tasted. But of course, we say that with complete bias. <laughs> yeah, blinders on. <laughs> so I, I mean, I was thinking we'd get gold at the very minimum, but I want to put this in perspective. And silver is actually still very good. And, and maybe you'll see why, or perhaps maybe you'll see that some of these awards are just pure luck and it depends on the panel. Because the one thing to know is that these are all done completely blind. There's no labels that are ever seen. And in addition, some of the best bourbon reviewers that we know on the planet that we've had in this podcast, they're not even judges. Heck, even Fred Minnick, he's not even a full-time bourbon judge when he goes there. He has to even rate things like vodka and gin and Australian whiskey and all this other kind of stuff when he's there. Yeah, so, that's what I was surprised about. This whole reward thing is that the bourbon aficionados don't even get to be on the bourbon panel it's like yeah. it's like uh brilliant mm -hmm. <laughs> okay and it that's it, because i i looked at the list of judges i think there was maybe four in the list of judges that i knew but there's so many bourbons that enter that not even all the bourbon judges get to taste all the bourbons and so it's really the luck of the draw of what you get in your category because if we submitted for the best of five year versus 
just a straight bourbon, those are two completely different categories. And so you could have had two different judges. So you don't really know what could have happened. So maybe next year we'll just keep submitting bottles into every category and be like... <laughs> See what sticks. Yeah. Blended whiskey, straight bourbon. Uh, we'll add a drop of rum. Like, hey, we're in the rum category now. We'll figure it out. But we have I, some rum barrels. We do have some rum barrels. We, we haven't really talked about those lately. Probably need to go taste them soon too. Yeah. But there's quite a lot of silver that I I saw out there and I, I kind of want to start putting this out there because in my opinion, there was a lot of head turners when I saw this. And there's even some that received gold and double gold that we have not even reviewed on Whiskey Quickie because I wasn't a big fan of it. And I said, we're not going to do that. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. I'm very happy for everybody. It just kind of depends on you know, who the judge was that day and, and what you got. So here's some other head turners. And some of the... if they are, did not have COVID. During <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there you go. Who knows? They could have been getting over COVID. They could have still had COVID. Maybe they didn't have their senses. They were just kind of winging it. And this is the yeah. big one. This is the big one. I This blew my mind. Eagle Rare 17. This is something that Ryan and I both picked as our top antique collection of 2021. It received a bronze. Now, I don't know if... I just don't understand how that happens because you look at it and if Pursuit United can get a silver, we don't deserve a silver if, if Eagle Rare 17 only gets right. a bronze. That just doesn't even make sense in my mind. So, it's, again, that's a head turner. The other there's one. There's other ones, yeah. Oh, it, it keeps going. But so wait, Hen there's more. Yeah, there's more. There's more. You think Henry McKenna. It's the bourbon that changed the world just a few short years ago. It was revered as the peak of whiskey greatness. And now... And whiskey of the year at San Francisco. <laughs> it, it did. And now it's next to us in the silver category. It didn't even win a gold. So all of a sudden, I don't feel too bad now. You know what? I saw like Elijah Craig. Who else? There was some yeah, really so big name. I got some Read other them off. You got them off. Yeah, I, I got them here. So pretty much a lot of the bourbons that went into the 11-year and older category performed all terrible, except one. Widow Jane Lucky 13, 13-year... Got a bronze. We love that one. Elijah Craig Barrel Proof A122 Silver. Uh, Calumet Farm 15 Year. I think that's the same 15 year that store beam, stuff, beam yeah. stuff that everybody was chasing. Silver. So there wasn't a single one that won gold except Uncle Nearest 1820 Premium that won double gold. And there's a lot of double golds that I probably wouldn't agree with, but I don't want to rain on their parade. Not to say that Uncle Nearest is one of them. They actually had a clean sweep. They got a lot of stuff out of there. But I can guarantee that you're going to see a lot of double gold emblems next to these bottles for years to come. But here's some more shockers. And these all received only silver. So 1792 small batch, single barrel, and 12-year. Blade and bow 22-year. Wow, e. that's that's heresy. I know <laughs> that stuff's good. E. H. Taylor small, sorry, E. H. Taylor Junior. Small batch and barrel proof. And here we go. Let's keep going because this is just everybody loves to chase after Sazerac and Buffalo Trace products. And for most people, we consider them some of the best stuff in the world. But Fred's right. When we start talking about competitions, they don't actually do too well when it comes to San Francisco because it keeps going in the silver category. Eagle Rare Ten Year. Elmer T. Lee, Old Charter Oak French Oak, Weller Craft Your Perfect Bourbon, all got silver, Four Roses Single Barrel, Makers 46, and even the shelf favorite Wild Turkey 101. I feel really good about See? my silver. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's why I was like, we're beating ourselves up only getting a silver. And then I read that. I'm like, wait a minute. These kids. Kenny was all, and I looked at the competition. I was like, look who we're with. It's like, don't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it makes you a little perplexed when you think of what were these judges tasting that they gave double go, goals to some of this other stuff and like all this stuff that we revere in high regard all of a sudden is down in the silver category. <laughs> I know. It's down with Pursuit United. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, whatever. That's, uh, that's their prerogative and that's fine. But that's neither here nor there. I think it's, we're very happy that United Rye got a double gold. Really cool to see. But then again, we're like, wait a minute, maybe it's just all BS. It's all, it's just whatever it is, buddy head. Who knows who judged whatever, but hey, now we'll have a little marketing emblem we can hang on a bottle. Shell talker. Yep. We can have a billboard forever. (laughs) (laughs) Billboards and bus stops coming your way. Hey, at least ours was the true small batch and not a a single barrel or something, you know, that's, I'd like to, I'd like to say that those, uh, a lot of those double gold winners are single barrels, which I, we've talked about this before. I don't think single barrels should be included on competitions because that's not a true representation of what's, on the shelf, but I totally agree. When there's neither nor here nor there, whatever you say, it. 120, 180 bottles of something, and that's it. I don't know. That seems kind of ridiculous. That's like when Elijah Craig barrel proof won whiskey of the year and Henry McKenna, and then all this, you know, and then they start marketing it as the Elijah Craig small batch, and which is still it's all great whiskey. Um, but uh, it's just funny, yeah. Well, it's it's like once it's crowned once. You don't want to do it again. It's 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 untouch- yeah. You don't. I know. I'm surprised they submit that stuff after. It's like you can't go anywhere but but down after that. But here's the thing. I don't think anybody's ever going to just stop buying it because Henry McKenna got a silver. Heck no. no. It's not going to start sitting on the shelves again. People are going to still buy it only because of that one time it went bonkers and all of a sudden it lives in infamy now. Well, just like I told you, I told my dad we got double gold in the ride and we were bummed we got silver and he's like why would you be mad about second place <laughs> and i was like it doesn't work like that but most people don't understand how these awards work so yeah and we, here's the thing is that we can submit it to there's thirty two thousand different award shows out there just pick we'll and find choose. A gold somewhere yeah just <laughs> pick your pick your favorite one and put it on some marketing spiel and a pdf and some printouts and leave it at total wine and hopefully some people will just start buying it. But I am proud of the, the double gold for the ride. That's a, you know, big thank you to Sagamore and BBC, our partners who make fantastic whiskey and gave us that ability to put that out there. So uh, I'm happy for those guys that hopefully we can shine some light on their distillate and their products for them. Yeah. And maybe we're just riding coattails because I saw that Sagamore took home a bunch of double golds as well. <laughs> so yeah, we knew what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's get on to the next one. This one's a little little dicey here. And this one was by Clay Risen over at the New York Times. So Ebony Major, she was formerly of Bullet Distillery, and she was the first black blender at a major distillery and even created the bourbon called Blender Select. That was pretty heavily sought after for quite some time. That's tasty. Mm-hmm. Now, she's in a lawsuit against Diageo, claiming that she was a subject of persistent racial hostility, including pay discrepancies and demeaning treatment by coworkers. So before the pandemic, Diageo sent Ebony on a national tour, and Blender Select became a critical hit. But by then, it was all coming apart. Ebony, who's only 31, 
She was in mediation with Diageo and left just a few months later. And when she took her concerns to her bosses, she said in an interview that she was met with indifference. And over time, there were calculated efforts by the company to isolate her and eventually push her out. Diageo, which is based in London, has received repeated accolades for workplace diversity and said that it took Miss Major's compliments, or sorry, compliments, complaints, seriously. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at that one. Uh, and that her decision to leave the company and to sue came as a surprise. In the lawsuit, Ebony says that she faced, made, uh, sorry, faced constant racial hostility from white colleagues. And when it came to work with, as an example, she came to work with a new hairstyle once, a colleague asked her, hey, poofy head, what happened to the dreads? She complained to her boss and human resources, but she was told to, to either reply back with a snarky comment of her own or to ignore it. Diageo says that after Ebony brought these and other instances of attention to management, they were dealt with accordingly. But by 2017, Ebony was given presentations to retail chains, sitting for media interviews, and making regular appearances at whiskey and food festivals. Diageo even put her in photo and posters and hang tags that were draped around bottles of bullet. So Ebony was happy to play that part, but as long as she was fairly compensated. Instead, she said that she had to arrange her own travel and pay many of her expenses out of pocket. And Diageo also, she also claimed that Diageo paid her less than the medium average for her job description and less than her white colleagues. Diageo said that Ebony's compensation was fair and that she received regular raises and that the company does not arrange travel for anyone but upper management. But when the COVID shutdown happened, that brought her promotional tour to a close. And the lawsuit also alleges that the company began to refuse new interview requests for her and forbid her from speaking publicly without its approval. And according to a Diageo spokeswoman, it would have been unfair to ask her to represent the company publicly when she was in conflict with it. In June of 2021, she resigned and has since been without regular work. And while her suit does not specify damages sought, she actually previously rejected an offer of $300,000 from Diageo to leave the company. Now, when I read this, I start thinking on the wheels of time here, and I remember maybe two years ago, we were trying to get Ebony on the show, and mm -hmm. it yep. just all, it fell on deaf ears constantly, constantly. I think I hit up four different people and just couldn't get anywhere with it, but that was, uh, I think we see why now. Yeah. I, I mean, from, from just a perspective of us, it seemed like they were elevating and help promoting her and uh, really making her kind of like uh you know like almost like a marianne eve you know how with castle he kind of like a face of the brand and someone they could connect to when uh she was there we were you know ex wanted her to come on the show we really enjoyed her product we thought she was doing great things and i'm just surprised this all happened you know from all we knew you know I've, we don't understand what goes on behind closed doors is that uh you know diageo was really kind of more on the promotion side of her and whatnot. So I'm surprised yeah. by this, but it, I don't know surprising. what went on. That true. And I think it's just a, a good constant reminder for people and listeners out there that there are actual working human beings. Like you go to yeah. work every single day in a, a software company in a widget factory or anything like that. That's the same exact thing. These are people that are having to deal with other instances at work, dealing with other coworkers that you may or may not be friends with. And it's just something that uh, it's, it's part of the social atmosphere. And so who knows what we find out more about it and if it's ever disclosed, but I, I doubt we'll ever see that. I just want to put that as news out there only because Clay Risen from the New York times, he wrote a really good article on it. So if you want to read more about it, please go and check that one out. So. Yeah. It's such a shame with bullets, much good things they do. They got 
you know, two stories, two instances now that kind of like almost kind of stains the brand or, but a little, I don't a little bit of a stain, but you know, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the original one with, with Hollis and Tom, I think that blew over and I, that's more of a family issue, sure. not, not necessarily a corporate issue. And I, I don't think we need to probably go anymore with that before we stick, That's right. our, <laughs> stick our foot in our mouth. So, <laughs> so let's keep going. Next topic. So Bardstown Bourbon Company, yeah, we're pretty good fan, friends of them and friends as well, too. They're planning an expansion as business continues to boom, and they have announced a $28.7 million investment that's set to create 29 full-time jobs and increase the distillery's annual capacity by about 55,000 barrels. And this was said in a news release by Governor Andy Bashir. There will be a 15,000-square-foot expansion, allowing for the addition of 16 new fermenters, a new column distillation still, and equipment, plus a hot water processing tank, grain handling equipment, chemical treatments, and glass towers to hold the still. The company's president and CEO, Mark Irwin, said in a news release that the investment will help increase the distillery's capacity by 50%, and this will all happen by 2024. All good things. Hopefully we can get that lifetime contract signed soon. <laughs> if you're keep, listening, keep Mark, or anyone at BBC, <laughs> yeah. let's make that happen. We're, we're, we're open to it. You know, just go ahead. It's time. We'll, we're down there. Maybe a 50-year contract. We'll start there. And we just want to lock in prices at current prices. <laughs> current That's prices okay, right? For the next 50 years. Heck, yep. who knows? I mean, everybody's talking about how... There was actually a thread earlier that... Wade, everybody knows Wade Wooder. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of talked about how barrel prices, and actually, it's it's kind of true in the the source market over the past month, it's gone up about a thousand dollars a barrel. And he gets a little bit on his soapbox and says, "Don't pay over a hundred dollars for sourced whiskey." And that actually, he used to say, "Don't pay over fifty dollars for sourced whiskey," but he's had to kind of move up a little bit because inflation got him too. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, but it's true. I mean, there's there's prices are going up across the board. We've seen new fill prices go up as well. And who knows if, if it goes down, hopefully the prices of new fill will go down. So maybe not lock it in all the way, but we'll we'll keep that what was it what's the mortgage like a, a variable rate? <laughs> Something like adjustable that. Adjustable rate. We adjustable don't, we rate. Don't, we don't want an adjustable rate unless it goes down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> then we do. Which it rarely ever does. No. Yeah. So Long Island event producer Starfish Junction has confirmed that they will once again host a bourbon at Belmont. It's a bourbon tasting event and Kentucky Derby celebration at Belmont, sorry, Belmont Park Racetrack in Elmont, New York. This will happen on Saturday, May 7th from 3.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. This special event will feature more than 30 bourbons for tasting, a selection of craft beer, and a live simulcast transmission of the Kentucky Derby. The grandstand viewing of the track to enjoy the live event day throughout uh, throughout with thoroughbred racing and convenient betting windows. Tickets for the festival are on sale now for $75 at the event website, bourbonatbelmont.com. And tickets to the special event are very limited and a sellout is expected. So there we go. And the last leg, Triple Crown. It is. It is. But I kind of like to see this, that there's more people outside of Kentucky that are embracing bourbon and horse racing all in one and they just kind of want to be there for it so very awesome yeah i was uh, with some friends who live in austin and they were talking about how you know they're from kentucky how all their friends want them to throw a derby party <laughs> i was <laughs> like i guess you kind of get when you're from kentucky and you live somewhere else you kind of get designated that but yeah a lot of people across the country love horse racing and bourbon and stuff so it's good to see everyone embrace that 
It's that's a our, great excuse. That's what I look that's at. That's our state's two best exports right there. <laughs> Horses and bourbon. That's what we do best. Damn, yep. Blanton's, they get you again. All <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so we know that there is a lot of bourbon in the United States, and making the decision between which bourbon to choose can be rather confusing. And to gauge which brand name bourbon should be avoided at all costs, Mashed, which is an online news and entertainment outlet, they conducted a survey and they asked 596 people which brand of bourbon was the worst. So the most popular of the bourbon brands competing for the worst position was Basil Hayden's, who only got 7.38% of respondents that deemed it to be the worst. So actually it kind of fared pretty well. The two other broadly popular bourbon brands were Knob Creek and Maker's Mark, which got around 94 to 9.9% of the vote, respectively. Jumping over into the double digits. <laughs> Hold on. So people go to not be the worst bourbon? That's what is this that? is. So okay, 9.9% of people said that Maker's Mark is the worst bourbon. So okay, you're, you're got, following along. But they there. were willing to do this? Or is it just like they did on their own? It, well, mashed... They just surveyed like almost 600 people. So this gotcha. is their results. Okay. I got Not you. to okay. say 600 bourbon people. These are just 600 people. I have no idea. Gotcha. Bullet received 11.24% of disapproval. But then there's a large gap that occurs before many people agree that they say Four Roses isn't very good, specifically around 17.28%. Wild Turkey also hit double numbers here with 20.64%. However, Jim Beam is crowned the worst bourbon brand by mashed readers. It wasn't even that close at 24.16% disliked that one in particular. So the difference between that and Wild Turkey is almost one in four versus one in five. And Jim Beam was crowned the worst brand of bourbon by mashed readers. The difference is, uh, it's really kind of weird because that is the most top selling bourbon of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> but on the flip side Never. here, you know, they also included some brands to figure out which is their favorite. And Maker's Mark was actually the favorite bourbon for 31.7% of the respondents. And they said because it's easy to find in stores for its recipe of red winter wheat, local corn, and malted barley. They didn't know that. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure Matt Red winter wheat is red wax. <laughs> you got it. The damn fancy wax. It gets you every single time. I, I just I thought 600 people. That's... I just thought this was a random... News are it's not even it's not even news. This is this is fake news. It clickbait. really is. It really is. Yeah. It's clickbait. But I saw it and I was like, ah, all right, we'll put it in there. And I should say, nobody's gonna vote for favorite bourbon or dislike any of these bourbons because honestly, each one of these are good in their own right. Yeah, there's no bad bourbons. Well, maybe, but let's say that let's say that four roses was bad at seventeen percent. Get out of here. These people don't know what they're talking about. Wild turkey, they don't know. They're vodka drinkers. <laughs> well, let's just keep up in one day and Pursuit United will be up there and we'll get 20% of the votes. If, we, I know, if I, that happens, we know we made it. Yeah, they're like, it's, you're like the Yankees, you know, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yep, pretty much. All right, so here's a, a another new research that came out. Again, this isn't bourbon related, but maybe it kind of is. So it's, they revealed the most universally loved smell in the world. And it's aroma that oenophiles, oenophiles, I don't know, whatever it is. And they can be well used for detecting in their wine or bourbon. So this study that was conducted by researchers from Karolinski Institute in Sweden and the University of Oxford has found that, Ryan, can you guess it? What do you think is the most popular university love smell in the world? Vanilla. God, you got it. 
Exactly what it is. It's <laughs> vanilla. It's the world's most universally loved scent. So this indicates that the research terms noted that the cultural background does not influence the individual response to smell as much as once thought. The researchers presented 235 people from nine different cultures across the world with 10 cents deliberately chosen to re- represent all odors found in the world. And the 10 cents trial included vanilla, which was the winner, lavender, which is a chemical that produces a peach-like scent, as well as things like sweaty feet, mushrooms, and decaying fish. Mm, well, of course, vanilla is going to eat decaying fish. <laughs> yeah. And mushrooms. <laughs> this is... This is like the San Francisco competition or something. <laughs> I don't know. This is news, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I thought you had, where's the good news at? All right, let's keep going. <laughs> so Hart Davis's auction of the finest and rare spirits realized that there were over $4 million and achieved a 100% sell-through rate over 2,869 lots, ending the first quarter of 2022 on a very high note. It's an exciting era for bidders and consigners alike, and the market is holding strong as they've ever seen for both spirits and wine. But as predicted, this was the largest sale on record for American whiskey, which brought in $3.2 million and 160% to the low estimate for the category. Bourbon was the star performer featuring in four out of the five top lots sold. And so here are top five of the, the bourbon lots. There was an old Rip Van Winkle 25 year that went for $31,070. Old Rip Van Winkle 23 decanter set that went for $20,315. There were two twisted spoke 16 years. Uh, this is like an old school Van Winkle private label. Each went for $20,315. And a Michter's Celebration Sour Mash Whiskey that went for $17,925. And all price of these were inclusive of a 19.5% buyer's premium. And I heard they all got silver at Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> These suckers that paid $20,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great joke. Way to bring that one in. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs> so this was one that I couldn't find much information on it. It was like two lines. So Augusta Distillery, they are in Bracken County, Kentucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got the email about this. Did you? I, I didn't read yeah. much about it. I just saw that they, they're doing a $23 million investment that's going to create 14 full-time jobs. And it's going to be an existing 40,000, sorry, it will be in an existing 40,000 square foot building that will be used to be, that used to be the home of F.A. Neater Company Construction. And it's supposed to begin sometime this summer and be operational by 2024. That's all I got. I don't know if it was like new still, new operations, new whatever. I just saw like the one. Yeah, later. I think it's new still, just existing building. Yeah. But Augusta Distillery, I haven't had much from them, haven't heard much from them. So there you go. Just something else that's happened in Kentucky. Yeah. And I think the the more important part about that article was at the end, they were talking about the the tax incentives and tax breaks that Kentucky is now giving distilleries to come and do business here. And so uh, I think they're trying to promote, you know, like, hey, we're going to help incentivize more distilleries because there, there have been a few big ones not built here because of the tax situation. So um, all it does is just offset the ad valorem tax on your whiskey (laughs) barrels. I know. Yeah. You're really not making out any better at the end of the day. And too, I was encouraged that, uh, you know, you can get a new startup distillery for $23 million. (laughs) (laughs) We just got to go raise about 20 million more and we might get there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we talk about books a lot in here and there's another new book 
that's coming out. And you know that we drink the same spirits and cocktails that we drink today. And they were good and fun, but at one time, they were considered functional beverages. Beer was used to heal wounds back in ancient Egypt. Wine was prescribed by Roman scholars to balance the humors. And distilled spirits, they were thought to be the very water of life by European physicians. And Camper English's new book, it's called Doctors and Distillers, The Remarkable Medicinal History of Beer, Wine, Spirits, and Cocktails. And this is going on sale July 19th of 2022, and the publisher is Penguin Books. It's an examination of the interconnected history of alcohol and medicine from ancient times to modern times. Along this, uh, sorry, along this long and lush journey across continents and centuries, they meet medical alchemists who first distilled wine, monastic apothecaries who created cure-all botanical liqueurs, and quack doctors who hawked dubious bitter nostrums. The introduced to science, sorry, they're introduced to scientists who studied beer fermentation only to discover elemental gases that form the germ theory of disease, sorry, that form the germ theory of disease and invent anesthetics and antiseptics. Camper English traces the discovery of liquid medicines effective against diseases, including malaria and scurvy, along with not-so-useful prescriptions against snake bites and loathsome diseases caused by debauchery. In Doctors and Distillers, they learn how the gimlet, gin and tonic, gin and tonic, gin and, tonic and the old-fashioned were born as remedies for diseases and discomforts, and English provides recipes for these and many other cocktails so that readers can drink along with history. This thoroughly researched and delightful new work reveals how and why the contents of our medicine and liquor cabinets were, until surprisingly recently, were one and the same. The price for this will be $18, again, going on sale July 19th. Interesting. I I love history of like how humans dealt with shit, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I, I read about in England, you know, you dr- or e- even just across any culture, they drank beer because the water you know, it was not safe to drink, but beer and the alcohol sanitized it. So everybody was just drunk all the day. And then they discovered coffee and tea and people start being productive and it helps society like get through uh, the industrial revolution and whatnot. So it's fascinating, you know, the history of all substances. And now we, now alcohol, they say kills you. So with one drink, so who knows? <laughs> it's like, I forget. I think it was a Jerry. It's Seinf- like, is carbs good? Carbs bad? <laughs> alcohol good? I was going to say, it's like a Jerry Seinfeld thing. It's like, you get the eggs. Like, are you supposed to eat the yolk? Not eat the yolk? Eat the yolk? Not eat the yolk? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So we talked about Derby a little bit already. And we just talked about cocktails in Woodford Reserve. They are now bringing out their $1,000 mint julep charity program. So this is one of the Kentucky Derby's most distinctive annual traditions. And this year's honors the connections between Kentucky and France, which, you know, Woodford, they're all about talking about France. They, they have a lot of connections there. So this is handmade by Louisville-based jeweler from the vault. And the cups feature red rubies in the shape of a horseshoe. On the side of the cup is engraved with a thoroughbred representing Versailles, Kentucky, where Woodford Reserve Distillery is located, and where many of the world's best thoroughbreds are bred and raised. The other side includes a nod to Versailles, France. See how I put that? They're spelled exactly the same, but I at least got that part right. Proceeds will benefit Old Friends Farm, where famous thoroughbreds, including past derby winners, are sent to retire peacefully. Of the 148 cups, 18 are gold, and those retail for $2,500, and 130 are silver and retail for $1,000. This year's $1,000 mint julep cocktail features ingredients found at France's Palace of Versailles, 
once home to three of the country's kings from the House of Bourbon, Kings Louis XIV and the XVI. So this is how you make the French mint julep. You start off with two ounces of Woodford Reserve, add two teaspoons of honey syrup, which is just half part honey. It says half part honey from Versailles, or sorry, <laughs> I can't, half part honey from Versailles, France, and half part water. That's a long way to get honey. I'm pretty sure you just get honey from anywhere. <laughs> uh, one lemon peel, one orange peel, two fresh pomegranate arils, plus more for garnish, and one bunch of fresh lemon mint sprigs. So in the julep club, add your honey syrup, one peel from each lemon and orange, two pomegranate arils, and muddle. Then fill the cup with two-thirds of the way of crushed ice, add your Woodford Reserve on top, and put even more crushed ice. Garnish by tucking in a fresh bunch of lemon mint, lemon and orange peels on the side. Then you can top off with some more pomegranate and serve. <laughs> That's one hell of a grocery list. <laughs> it is. <isn't> it? <laughs> it's like, no, nah, that honey won't do. I need first <laughs> <laughs> honey. I need to get on eBay and find me some honey and get shipped over here. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a long way to go for some bee honey. And right there. did you hold on? Did you say that the silver one is more expensive than the gold? No. So the did gold you? was twenty five hundred dollars, and the silver oh, okay, is a thousand. It. Got but it. Okay. You can you can make this thousand dollar mint julep at your house for your very own for probably uh, a <laughs> pennies on the dollar here. I don't know. It depends if you can find that honey. That's it's it's probably high dollar. Yeah, you're gonna get hit with some import fees on that one. But it tastes good. Sounds good. I'd, I'd try like to have one. I'm in for it. All right. Our last big news for this week is that this is straight cut and paste from their Facebook page. And they said, today we're sharing an important update regarding our tour operations at Barton 1792 Distillery. After careful review of our brand, the needs, the plant capacity, safety, and practicality, we have made the decision to no longer offer public tours at the distillery effective April 29th. Instead, they're going to concentrate Barton 1792 Distillery on what it does best, producing the world's best whiskey. So if you scheduled a tour or visit prior to April 29th, and it will still happen as planned, but they want to thank you for your support over the years and hope to welcome you as one of their home places in the near future. Yeah, I read this while I was on spring break. I was kind of bummed. Um, so there's a ton of history and the property is awesome. Um, old Ridgemont Reserve, man. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, and Danny Kahn's such a cool dude, you know, to go see and he does a great job, but... I guess Costco was just like, you know what? We can take care of this tour problem. <laughs> Double up to Kirkland's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, it's, I understand it because it's the same reason why Heaven Hill doesn't give tours of the distillery. Yeah. yeah. They're distillery right. in their production because it's what it is. It is a production facility. It's not made for people to go and tour through and wear a hard hat and go and look up and down a still. It's, you're just looking and you're like, oh, cool, fermentation takes. And to be fair, yeah, there's a lot of history there. Well, wasn't wasn't the 1792 where the like like a fermenter take or mash take busted on a tour? Uh, that they had a warehouse fall at one point. Yeah, so they they've had, they probably need to do some renovations, maybe something like that. But I mean, in, in all fairness, it probably it's the most rustic one to go look at. So I always tell people, I said, if you want to go and see new bourbon, you go to Bardstown Bourbon Company. If you want to see old bourbon, go check out Barton and you kind of see the, the mix of the two worlds there. So it is, it is interesting to kind of see this happen. And I think the other kind of big note is 
So one of the people that we used to have on the podcast a long time ago, Josh Hollifield, he was the Barton 17292 uh, manager for experiences and visitation. Uh, he actually left. He's over at Maker's Mark now. So maybe he probably heard this coming and started looking for something else. But, you know, best of luck to Josh in his new role and best of luck to Barton. And, you know, I think we'll, at least we'll be able to see it behind the closed curtain when we go and pick a foolproof barrel soon. Yeah. Or have Danny just bring us more samples and have <laughs> we'll them on the that. podcast. <laughs> we'll do that too. I always love the samples he brings. I know. Danny's great. All right. Well, let's take a quick commercial break here from our partners. We'll be back with some bourbon release news. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. All right, bourbon release news time. And you would think that we're preparing for September because <laughs> or maybe it's just because we took two weeks off, one or the other. Let's get going. So Whistle Pig Whiskey and Barstool Sports, they are teaming up to launch the new Single Barrel Legend Series. The first of three iterations is created in collaboration with David Ortiz, otherwise known as Big Poppy, and it is the world's first toasted baseball bat finished whiskey. The Whistle <laughs> Pig, I know, don't hold on, hold on here. So the Whistle Pig Piggyback Legend Series Big Poppy Barrel, that that's the whole tagline. I mean, that's the whole name. That's a lot of piggyback back big bappy barrels. It was created for and selected by David Ortiz and it raises a glass to his induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame and it marks the debut of the limited edition single barrel series. So this is 100% rye whiskey aged for six years in American oak and finished in barrels containing toasted DO34 maple wood bats. And this was Ortiz's signature. So it's the first... Is this before the lacquer or after? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. If, or the tar. <laughs> the pine tar. On. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to see if we get any kind of notes of tar on that when we ever yeah, get a chance to try <laughs> yeah. this. But it's the first of its kind to be bottled at 96.56 proof. 
It's available for $50 for 750 ml, and it can be purchased at Whistle Pig's official website. There's limited quantity bottles that will be available and that will be signed by David Ortiz himself, and those will be available for purchase for $340 in honor of number 34 with the proceeds of each sale benefiting the David Ortiz Boston Heart Classic, raising funds for children in need of heart surgery. So, at least Hey, that's awesome. Yes. Going to good cause. Yeah. I, l- I always loved David Ortiz, too, when I watched him for the Red Sox. He was good. But hey, our first baseball bat toasted barrel. How about it? Yeah, I love that. That's that's a lot to say. Big poppies, whatever. You ready? I'll do it again for you. Toasted, yeah. The Whistle Pig Piggyback Legend Series Big Poppy Barrel. Try it. Toasted barrel. <laughs> toasted bad barrel. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot going. On. I'm, if I had that in front, I could, I could do it if it wasn't in front of me because that's that's a ton like of you're reading a scroll. Here he, here he. All right, so from Wilderness Trail, here's some news from our friends over there in Danville. Their yellow label weeded bourbon is now a small batch instead of a single barrel. So Shane Baker mentioned in March that the changes are going to be happening to their core products as a part of their goal to align with consistency in their bottled and bond family. Both the yellow label weeded bourbon and their green label rye whiskey will become bottled and bond and small batches like their black label rye bourbon while their vibrant single-barrel program will be their barrel-proof family reserve offerings. And so you can enjoy by comparing the small batch to any single-barrel you have on hand coming soon. So wait, all the small batches will be weeded bourbon from now on? So their yellow-label weeded bourbon is now moving to a small batch instead of a single-barrel. Because they were just releasing single-barrels. So now apparently they have enough, so they're going to start releasing small batches. Uh, But then it looks like they're also making some changes with their their labels as well so so will there be a small batch rye bourbon or no is that just single barrels i think so it's a small batches like our black label rye bourbon no wait wait, that's rye bourbon maybe it's already a small batch i think that's already a small batch never mind yeah green label rye whiskey will become bottled and bond yeah that's that's okay they're they're making some changes you'll know when you go to the store and you're like wait a minute why is there 16 different labels over here yeah i like wilderness trail Mm mm-hmm so this was another headline. I put it out there because I thought it was kind of funny. So bourbon connoisseurs, they knew that there's a heated rivalry in the world of whiskey, almost as intense as the ones that come in college and NFL football, and that's the rivalry between Tennessee and Kentucky bourbon. So when Peyton Manning's Sweetened Cove line of whiskey launched its newest product on April Fool's Day, we all wondered if the world thought that Tennessee was a joke. So let the Tennessee and Kentucky bourbon rivalry in, Manning said. They're bringing them together. Or did we just become best friends? That's one of the ads that Tennessee asks. The product is a mixture of Tennessee and Kentucky bourbon finished with toasted sugar maple wood. More specifically, Marion Eves created a base blend of select whiskeys, finishing them in a stainless steel tank with the addition of special wood spirals made from sugar maple wood before the final filtration, proofing, and bottling. Tennessee is a new product in Sweetens Cove line that is bottled at 110.7 proof and has an SRP of $60. It will be initially available in Colorado, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Nevada, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas, with plans to expand further across the U.S. later this year. Were they maple bat spirals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if it was for Peyton Manning, they should have put it in the shape of footballs and just dumped them in there. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. Uh wonder if, you know, since Stoops has his own brand now, you know, he could be the football Kentucky guy, you know, and Peyton, they should do a collab there. But uh, I'm excited to try this. I like the price point too. 
sixty dollars. Yeah, yeah. Because Sweden's Cove is always like so, like uh, just a high price tag, hard to like, you know. I want you want to try, but so it's it's so expensive. So I'm glad to see this price point. Good to see that, and it's just I I think you had predicted a lot of this at the very beginning of the year <laughs> of the toasted <laughs> stuff, but this isn't yeah. even toasted. We're, we're already two in, and there's <laughs> two of the three are toasted something. It's toasted something. It's toasted. It, it's toasted something, and it's adding in extra stuff. It's kind of like what Maker's Forty Six originally did by throwing stays in a barrel and now we're just putting in sugar maple wood spirals throwing them in there and bats and bats <laughs> yes so next will be axe handles <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, i was about to say well we're gonna have like charcuterie board finished <laughs> like, right you're like ah, oh, yes this is a french oak charcuterie board <laughs> just hey toss in the tank it's all good it'll start leaching some some flavors in there yeah this we could go a thousand different ways with this, but <laughs> let's go on to the next one. All right. What if we start breaking like the legs off of chairs and start throwing yeah. them in the vats? You're like, ah, oh, yes, this is so old. It's, it's, it's acacia woods. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> this is 1920s red oak that my, from my dusty grandma's basement. From my floor. <laughs> All right. We're going to lose some people here. All right. So Colorado-based Old Elk Distillery. We'll release two more expressions of Master Distiller Greg Metz's Master's Blend series. So they're going to have Old Elk four-grain bourbon and Old Elk double wheat. So the double wheat straight whiskey is a combination of their straight wheat whiskey and weeded bourbon straight bourbon whiskey. <laughs> that, was, that was correct. Old Elk weeded bourbon straight bourbon whiskey. Yep. All right. The liquids yield a higher proof of 107.1. It's aged six to eight years old. While the four-grain straight bourbon whiskey is a blend of four different cereal grains of corn, wheat, barley, and rye, and that's coming in at 105.9 proof, also aged around six to seven years. And the suggested retail price for both of these will be about $100. Love that. Uh, I love all three of those recipes, so I'm excited to try it. It's a blend of those? It's got Yeah, it's a blend of those. And heck, we've got, a, I think, all four. What we went to Colorado in January, so we all went with the round table. January, yeah, yeah, and I think yep. we selected eight barrels between all of us, and we made a blend of uh, yeah, that's it was the weeded, weeded bourbon, weeded whiskey, and or no, did we do a whiskey? I can't remember. Uh, all yeah. I know is that your blend beat Greg, so hey, you're the prodigal son. He returns as lucky, <laughs> <laughs> but. I think those will be hitting relatively soon. So everybody in Patreon land, we will be having those soon, 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 soon. And it's a collaboration between everybody in the round table. So we had Ryan and I there, we had Blake as well as the guys from breaking. So a lot of, a lot of good barrels coming our way. I think we also, what did we pick out? What was the last barrel we picked out? It was like an eight year old weed or something like that. Nine year old, I think. Nine year. Yeah. Like we, yeah, we found out. When you, you butter up Louise, their CEO, <laughs> you're like, you just wear on them. You're like, all right, just give me some of these old barrels. Yeah, that and we were the last ones to fly out, so we just were poking around the warehouse, and I saw the lock code. And <laughs> like, I go, that looks a little old. <laughs> yeah, they got some great whiskey, though. I'm I'm excited for those to come. Mm-hmm. So here's some news that we did a live stream with Trey Zoller of Jefferson's about three or four weeks ago, and he couldn't announce this, but now it's finally announced. The ball, or should I say, the cat's out of the bag. I was going to say the ball's been dropped, but that's not the right analogy here. The cat's out of the bag. Uh, Cats out of them, yeah. But the news of the 26th release of Ocean's Age to Sea 
is the first ever rye. So the liquid is a fully mature 100% rye whiskey, and that's 5% malted rye, that was distilled and aged in Canada. So after spending five years aging, it was given a double barrel finish that was double... <laughs> of course, we always double barrel everything and toast it. Why not? Uh, this was... <laughs> I was about to say it's not, but it is. 75% in char three barrels and 25% were in toasted barrels. It was then placed on ships and it visited five different continents and 30 ports around the world as part of its unique finishing technique that which Ocean Series is known for. The Jefferson's Ocean Aged at Sea Rye is non-chill filtered and it's bottled at 96 proof and has an SRP of $80. That sounds good. Port we had char... was the cognac rye, right? Yes. The that they came out Cognac barrels, correct. Yeah, that was fantastic. So I'm excited for this one. I like the oceans. I've only had a few of them. And they're good. I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting concept, and there's definitely something about swishing whiskey in a barrel for a few months on a port or on a ship that it on definitely a container. It, yeah. it definitely changes the color. That's for sure. Definitely go if you had a chance. Go go check out our past live stream. There was a lot of good stuff on there, and we'll have a podcast coming out with Trey soon too. Totes. Yep. So this one's a little bit late because we had a spring break in the middle, but we all know that bourbon and horses go together and Maker's Mark is very much a huge supporter of Keeneland. And so this year, the are having their third installment, what they call Horse Mania. It's an initiative put on by Lex Arts, which is the Greater Lexington's premier cultural development, advocacy, and fundraising organization. And this is all in supporting of public art. And so they are releasing their commemorative Maker's Mark bourbon bottle in partnership with Keeneland Racecourse. For the second year, the commemorative bottle will feature one of three distinct label designs featuring the work of artists Sandra Oppegard, Andre Peter, or sorry, Andre Potter, and Tyler Robertson. The labels depict the beauty and history of thoroughbred racing, and each bottle is signed by the artist who created the design, along with Keeneland president and CEO Sharon, Shannon Arvin. Maker's Mark 8th Generation Whiskey Maker and Managing Director Rob Samuels, and one of three of the winning female writers in Keeneland history, Julie, I can't take any of these names today, sorry, Julie <laughs> Crone, Rosie Napravenik, and Donna Barton Brothers. The three bottles will go on sale back on Friday, April 8th, which was the opening day of Keeneland's 2022 Spring Meet, for a retail price of $65. And if you're still looking for it, I was at Costco a little bit earlier this week, and they still had, I think, three bottles left. Do you get a Keeneland woven belt with it? You know, like all <laughs> hey, the frat stars wear? Yeah, <laughs> I know you had one. I had one. I, <laughs> I'm one of them. I know our buddy Blake over there, he's got the needlepoint belt. Hey, man, it's, it was a style for a while. I like it. It's, 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 it's fratty. That's right. <laughs> back, back the comb over. <laughs> that and back in my bow tie days and everything like that too. I yep. just don't have a chance to wear stuff like that anymore, man. I work from home and I don't go anywhere. I don't get to wear any nice things. I don't go to fancy dinners. I just, I'm just, I'm just schlubbing it now. I know. We just wear Bird Pursuit t-shirts <laughs> everywhere we go. <laughs> pretty much. Bird Pursuit t-shirts and Chuck Taylors. That's pretty much my entire outfit now. Classy. It is. All right. We're back. Everybody's favorite distillery, Ross and Squibb, they're announcing the launch of Rossville Union 2022 Barrel Proof. It's their annual limited release of straight rye whiskey. There were 82 barrels selected for this year's release, and it's displayed on each bottle of Rossville Union's Barrel Proof. And for the first time, every bottle prominently features a seven-year age statement. These are set to reach retail shelves across the country starting this month, 
and a limited allocation of 18,000 bottles at 117.2 proof and has a suggested retail price of $70. I wonder what the mash bill is. Because <laughs> it's a uh, rye whiskey from MGP. I know. Uh, 95. Yeah. Swing and a miss. <laughs> My like bats it. are in a barrel, so uh, can't. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, I mean, if you think about it in that regard, seven-year MGP, $70, 82 barrels. I mean, they're, they're probably raising their prices considering, you know, everybody else that's selling MGP at the same year age <laughs> right. statement for the same exact price. Like, we should do this too. We can put a cowboy hat on the belt. <laughs> we can do that. We can. I'm not going to go any more into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more squib talk. Love the squibs. I, I really wish it was not Rossville. It was just Ross Squib or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see if we can put a petition to put you on their marketing department team and maybe take over for them soon. Who knows? I'll be a brand ambassador for sure. We already got the hats. We'll do it. Yeah. I know one of our patrons had to give him not Ross and Squib. Come on, let's. We are your success. Yeah, and and shout out. Thank you so much for the hats. We appreciate it. And yep, always always it's a good good memory to have that too. So totally. while we're still on this particular brand that's owned by Lux Co, I guess you could say. So Lux Row Master Distiller John Rempe continues his annual pact with bourbon drinkers with the release of Blood Oath Pact Eight which is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey finished in Calvados casks. So this features a combination of the finest bourbons that Rempe could find, including a 14-year-old bourbon, 11-year-old rye bourbon, and an 8-year rye bourbon finished in Calvados casks. So Calvados is an apple or pear brandy from the Normandy region of northwestern France that is distilled from cider and aged for a minimum of two years in oak casks. Like with previous packs, Rempe promises to make the best bourbon for bourbon connoisseurs, and as usual, he promises that he'll never disclose the origin of the bourbons used to create the Blood Oath Pact 8. The official launch of Blood Oath Pact 8 will include a total allocation of 51,000 bottles, 1,400 of which will be held for a future trilogy pack release. This will arrive at retail April this year with a suggested retail price of $120 per bottle. Damn, that's a lot of bottles. 51,000? Yeah, I know. That's that's a it's a lot of bottles. I just a lot love of bloody had to give up for that <laughs> for, the, for signed, those barrels. Signed a pact. Make sure you get them. That's right. I I just love how they put that in the press release. That as uh, he promises that he'll never disclose the origin of the bourbon. <laughs> like, give me a break. Just call it pinky swear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cross my heart and hope to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Law's, oh, Whis- so Law's Whiskey House recently announced their 2022 release of their Bottled and Bond Four Grain and their San Luis, Fal- sorry, San Luis, San Luis, San Luis Valley Rye. Law's sixth, re- Law's sixth release of their Bottled Bond, sorry, God, I can't talk. Law's sixth release of their Bonded Four Grain Bourbon is one of the oldest bourbons to be released from the distillery and is composed of two separate batches. One batch is from the spring of season 2013. Match or sorry, that was marked with code six S, and the other is from fall of the same year, marked with batch code six F. And so these were a marriage of eighteen barrels with an average maturation of around eight months. Sorry, eight years and five months. Um, and then these also had a match bill of sixty percent corn, twenty percent wheat, ten percent rye, and ten percent malted barley. Batch number three of Laws's bonded San Luis San Luis L U I S. How would you say that? 
Louis? Louis? I don't know. Louis. Louis. I don't know. See, we say St. Louis, but that's got an O in there. I don't know. St. Louis? I don't know. Whatever. They're, they're straight rise. We don't America. pronounce our vowels here. Yeah, well, as anybody can tell, I, I butcher a lot of words with this. But this is a marriage of 23 barrels that were distilled in the fall season of 2014 with a total maturation time of seven years and one month. And their match bill is a, another solid 95.5. This will be available in key markets around the country starting in April and has suggested retail price of $80. So congratulations right. to them. Yeah. Good job. So here's a new one. I thought this was going to be the last one. Kind of a, it's an oddball. It's actually so odd that it's called Curveball because it's the original barbecue whiskey. It's making its way into backyards and back bars across the country. And it's made for the love of barbecue. And Curveball combines the savory, sweet, smoky heat of slow and low barbecue with American whiskey. So Curveball is best enjoyed as a cold shot along a cold one, or straight out of the bottle like barbecue sauce. For the brunch crowd, substitute Curveball for vodka and your favorite bloody recipe to make the barbecue bloody. And for old-fashioned whiskey drinkers, just add bitters and an orange peel to make a barbecue old-fashioned. Curveball can even be used for cooking to make marinades and glazes, but last but not least, it can also be paired with some friends, family, and a couple strangers, because barbecue is a get-together. Often described as a tasting of ribs or barbecue chips, Curveball whiskey is 68 proof, Gluten-free and proudly made in the USA and has a retail price of $25. If it tastes like Cozy's Ribs in Memphis, I'll <laughs> be in. But, but uh, yeah, I, I like both of those. I don't know if you combine them, but I'd be interested to try because I love both of them. I mean, I like potato chips. I like barbecue potato chips. Why would I, yeah. like, why would I like this? Who doesn't? Those Lay's barbecue crush those or kettle with barbecue mm -hmm. well i mean as long as it's not smoky not smoky peaty then we'll be okay yeah i don't like keep the smoke away from my drinks mm -hmm. <laughs> don't take a smoked old-fashioned hold the smoke on that one yeah i know <laughs> all right so this is our last one for the day hope you enjoy your ride hope you're hold you got your seatbelt in because this is this is going to take you for a ride here so not be outdone yet the metaverse is still continuing to be a thing even though it was a Breaking Bourbon April Fool's joke, but now marking its 10th year as the official vodka of Coachella, Absolute is extending the festival experience into the metaverse with Absolute.land. It's a one-of-a-kind blended activation by a liquor brand at a live event. This is, I'm kind of like, kind of giddy because it's kind of cool, kind of weird, but we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll tell you everything here. So this is a must-see celebration that's a convergence of art, fashion, music, and of course, cocktails to bring friends and family to get together digitally over the love of festival culture. Absolute.land features innovative experiences inspired by Absolute's products, heritage, and passion points, including, so if you go to Absolute.land, they're going to have an anti-gravity dance floor, and that's the gravity-defying mosh pit that extends the length of the signature Absolute bottle facade, allowing fans to seamlessly flow from floor to floor. It There's also, gravity in the metaverse, apparently, or you can just <laughs> strap on a, you know, a rocket pack. Why not? <laughs> it's met, it's okay. metaverse, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, it's all right. The absolute bar is where fans can find all they want to know about the central hub from the code of conduct and how tos, and of course, cocktails. There's also the Citron Media Room where you can download the latest happenings from exclusive content in the absolute tent on the festival ground. Also, you can get NFT wearables that highlight the weekend. There's also the garden where fans can discover collectibles that 
the hero that our heroes to ingredients for the hero cocktails, and there's other hidden portals to other experiences. There's also the museum gallery, the selfie room, the pride tunnel, the rainbow rave, and the outlook. Avatars within the space will also be able to seek out and access secret portals that just might teleport fans to Coachella Valley in real life and for a whole VIP experience during the festival's second weekend. So Absolute pays homage to one of its one source, Swedish Heritage, partnering with headliner Swedish House Mafia and their highly anticipated return to the festival stage after 10 years. So dropping on April 15th, the supergroup's newest album, Paradise Again, will be played on a custom jukebox within Absolute.land. The album set the inspiration for the Absolute and Swedish House Mafia Paradise Again Paloma, which music and cocktail lovers alike can find in the metaverse, on-site at the festival, or at home with a specialty cocktail kit available immediately for a limited time only. And fans can not only grab a virtual drink, but you can also purchase this cocktail to be delivered right to your door, delivered by one of the Absolute.land vending machines. So on the ground festival goers at Coachella, you can also join in the metaverse too by taking over the Absolute.land bartender avatar at an interactive kiosk in the tent. So in real life guests can mix virtual cocktails, you can chat up fellow avatars and surprise and delight by gifting NFT wearables all live. Absolute's physical tent has been designed in parallel to its online counterpart with geometric layout, bold color schemes, art installations, and content stream from Absolute.land. And of course, to visit more, go and visit AbsoluteLand.com. So when you're drinking these Palomas in the metaverse, do you, like after three or four, do you like start to, like things get blurry and <laughs> like... No, you you know, you're... you're you just start really, you start really just feeling it. You start really feeling the music at that point. The anti-gravity really takes on. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you can. Yeah. Power pack or not, you start feeling it. I don't know. I, I saw know. this and A, it's it's vodka. I didn't really want to put it in here, but there's so much that's happening in here that you would just say this world's getting weirder and weirder because it had everything. It had oh, the, that it was had my met- first thought. It had the metaverse. It had NFTs. It's got Coachella in there. I mean, it's got it's got a lot of cool things going on, so. They're like, let's take every buzzword and make a virtual reality out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if uh, if you're a fan of Coachella and you like the lineup, I guess go and figure it out for the first weekend and maybe you can get transported. You can buy Palomas with crypto. <laughs> and aren't Palomas made with tequila? No. Or I guess, no, you can have whiskey Palomas. Yeah. Yeah, you can. But hey, like you said, the world's getting weirder and weirder. Why not just dive into it? If you got nothing else going on during Coachella and you want to coach, I think it's very hilarious. If I was at Coachella, I'm like, I'm not going to go waste my time messing around yeah. with people. <laughs> Avatars in the metaverse. Like, I'm going to go and lay in like the grass and goggles on. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm at Coachella. Why would I want to go and deal with this right now? I can sit at home and do the <laughs> Oculus version. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this extra special long edition of this week in bourbon man we had a lot to go through this time but it was good yeah it was a long one but it was good good to catch up we'll have shorter vacations next time yeah that's what i say i learned two things either we have shorter vacations or i learned to cut more shit out and then we won't have to worry about doing that ever again <laughs> there's a lot of good topics though it a lot of good releases well cheers everybody have a great rest of the weekend or if your week's just getting started have a great week But until next time, cheers. Toodles.